0: You know I I did something today that I I really hate to do and and that is that I got up this morning and my car wouldn't start and so I took Betty's and we've gone through this just a couple weeks ago only it was the other way her car wouldn't start mine did and um, I dutifully went home at the right time to pick her up and then this morning I was talking go figure that and so I forgot but so that's that put me in a rush and that's never good when you're going to be doing the things of ministry. At least I don't usually like it that way. So anyway, that was my first, uh, my first little gaffe this morning. I'm feeling out of breath. But uh, we'll depend on the Lord to do His thing. Um, you know, uh, somebody once told, asked me recently if I'm counting the days to my retirement and uh, what I said was, no, I am not counting the days, I am counting the opportunities to preach the gospel here that are remaining, and because that is, is my passion and, and the thing that I love to do most, and um, you have always been very generous with receiving it. But there will be more, I don't know what the, where are they are going to be, there's not a, another church in our future that we know of, one never knows, but uh, I'm pretty sure he isn't going to let me just stop. So, reading the Bible in 90 days, it's been a challenge for me, perhaps for you, others have an easy time with it, but I picked a psalm, and when I got into the psalms, I just kind of kept reading and reading, and I'd mark one, maybe that one, and then I'd keep reading some more, no, no, not that one, maybe this one, and I got to Psalm 46, and I, I almost went by it. But I marked it anyway, and then I kept reading and reading and reading, and finally I said, what did I like? And this is the one that spoke to me. So let's uh, pray together. Father, we cannot come to you too often. There is no such thing as too much prayer. And so we come before you this morning and ask you to fill us with your words. Let us hear from you. Speak to us right to the depths of our souls. Bring us close. Draw us in. I saw people raising their hands during the music, and I pray that we would all be raising our hands, the hands of our hearts, up to you so that you might catch us up to yourself today and be in us in your name. I'm going to read the heading uh, the fact is these headings that are done in all capital letters and a lot of these uh, op- a lot of these Psalms they are in the Hebrew Bible actually verse 1 so to the choir master of the sons of Korah according to Alamoth a song Alamoth no clue what that is I can't find any commentators that know what it is for sure they're surmising that it is either a liturgical or a musical term that we still don't really know what it means God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. God is our refuge and strength. He's a hiding place. He is a place, this is the, the psalm that inspired A Mighty Fortress is Our God that Martin Luther wrote. This is where he was. And I can only imagine knowing the life of Luther that he must have been in real need of a fortress and strength. There was a period of time, and I don't remember how many years, when he was actually under the care and protection of a king. They were regional in those days. And he was like landlocked inside the fortress now good news is fortress pretty big bad news is can't leave because there were people seeking his life and i can just sense how this might have done that for him it's a hiding place it is impenetrable and the strength that god gives in his place is unassailable a very present help. You know, I've read this Psalm I don't know how many times over the 50 years that I've been walking with with Jesus and um, I always thought it meant just present, you know, very present, like really present, like right now. And as I stopped to do some research and read some Hebrew scholars, there is really a much more different or even additive um, way that 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 word is used it, it means well-proved, tested. That power, His strength, His fortress-like nature, it's been tested all through the ages. And it's been proved out that He is worthy of our trust and worthy of our faith. Very present help. Well-proved. It has that all of those meanings in there. As a matter of fact, uh, two of the Hebrew scholars that I read this week, they don't use um, very present at all. They only use well-proved. And um, you know it just seems like there's something really powerful there. You see, when we're in trouble, God lets himself be found. And he's up to the challenge. He has proved himself again and again. He is worthy, he is powerful, and he will not let us go. Though therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. You know, I was thinking about the earthquakes in Japan and that terrible tsunami that uh, that swept over a portion of their coast, and thousands of people died. And thousands upon thousands were left homeless and injured, and some of them died later. And our church body, the Church of the Lutheran Brethren, have one family of missionaries on the ground there. It's the Bankstons. And they lost, too. Fortunately, they did not suffer loss of life, but they lost a lot. And they were left there to enhance their ministry of the gospel by giving hope and confidence to the people that they were na- that were their neighbors. There is no fear. doesn't matter what's going to happen. Verse three it says, uh, though." Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. I read one scholar and he wrote that not though, like it's like an afterthought, but let. Let the waters roar and foam. Go ahead, let it happen. And he's not calling out God, say, hey, take me on God. No, that's not where he is. He says, this stuff is going to happen and let it happen. And I will believe in you and I will trust you. Let the mountains tremble at the swelling of those waters. It's a remarkable thing, and as I have finished off this little section, it ends with the word selah. We don't exactly know what that word means either, but it almost always seems to be used, according to the people I've read, as sort of a pause. Think about that. And as I was thinking about that, you know, those tragedies, they happen half a world away. And it grips my heart and soul and I pray. But how would I deal with it if it were happening right here? I want faith like that. Those things are going to happen. Let them happen. And I will not give up I will trust in you. Let's move on to the next section here, verses 4 through 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters His voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. After the pause, the psalm writer goes into something that almost feels disconnected when I first read it. How does that connect with the first part? And then I started thinking about this river in the city of God. You know, the city of God, normally think of Jerusalem, particularly in Old Testament times. There's no river there that runs through the city. There are rivers around it, Uh, The Jordan is about 22 miles away as the crow flies. So you weren't going to be walking there to pick up your water. They had some springs and, and wells and things like that. So what is he talking about here? And the city of God, what is that? If it isn't Jerusalem, what is it? The river, this is the Holy Spirit. And the city of God is us. It is us, our hearts, our souls, that He has converted by His Spirit. The city of God is our hearts. And the moment we believe in Jesus, we become part of God's holy habitation. The Hebrew word for that is sanctuary. A safe, strong fortress, never to be shaken. It's where God lives. I know He lives everywhere, but He lives everywhere. In the city that He has created among us by His Spirit through faith in Jesus. He lives in us. And it says, holy habitation. Me? Yeah, I don't get that because I don't see that in me. But God, He sees something else because of the work of Jesus. He lives in our hearts. It is where holiness abounds wow, that's amazing because I just don't see it. If I didn't have words like these, I would never believe it. But these are his words, and this is what he's saying. It's where holiness abounds, the Spirit of God flowing into us and through us, and his purpose is to make us glad. So often we think of God, we think of the Holy Spirit there to convict me of my sins and all of those kind of things. They're all paid for. They're done. That's not His purpose. His purpose is to reveal to us the words of Jesus. That's in John chapter 14. His purpose is to make the city of God glad. Rejoice. Rejoice in what He has done and what He's doing. And as the Spirit of God is eternal, He is eternally flowing and filling to overflowing His city, all of us, forever. And why are we glad? Because the Holy Spirit has a job, and His job is to sanctify us, to make us holy. Yeah, I know, He started the deal 50 years ago with me, and, and um, you know, he, but He's still working on it. And He doesn't want me dwelling on my sin. He's done that. He's taken care of that. He wants me dwelling on what I am becoming. I am becoming a holy one of God. God has said, you shall be holy as I am holy. And that's a commandment. At least that's the way I read it for decades. And one day I woke up and I said, well, wait a minute. That isn't thou shalt be, as in a commandment, as much as it is you will be. It is a future tense. So yeah, I can never fulfill that on my own. I could look at myself every day, yep, not there yet. And But at the same time, God can deliver that. And that's his game plan. You shall be holy is also a promise. It's going to happen. He will deliver that to each and every one of us who believe in Jesus. God is going to make it happen, and he will complete his commandment in us, for us, because we can't. The nations rage. As God is doing all this stuff inside his city of holiness... Making us glad, and little by little, He is making us more holy. Outside the city, everything is going crazy. So, we've got a little piece of the city right here. Some people have been uh, deterred by the snow, but outside, the, kingdom is, the kingdoms are just raging. They go to war, some are shaken, some are defeated, and it never loves up, and it just keeps on getting worse. This is outside the city of His holiness. And whatever little bit of stability that comes from time to time that might even emerge and look like it's going to happen, it never lasts. But we are still part of the city of God. He is with us. He is our refuge and strength. A well-proved help in trouble. Well-proved. We can depend on Him. And this section ends with Selah 2, another pause, another break. Ponder this. You know, sometimes we get all stirred up about things that are going on in the world. Sometimes we even get afraid. Sometimes we get all stirred up and afraid because I've messed up or you've messed up. And sometimes it's just the way of things. But what did Jesus say to his disciples? Oh, ye of little faith, why do you doubt? He says that to me all the time as I have gotten into that fear place, that stirred up place. And in my case, that happens all too often for a guy that has been walking with Jesus for about 50 years and reading his word almost every day. It's still happening. Could it be that we spend too much time looking outside instead of inside the city of God? Could it be that we aren't looking inside enough where the Holy Spirit is flowing with the express purpose to make us glad? Not fearful, but glad. Could it be? Selah, the Lord of hosts, is with us. You know, when I was in seminary, they taught us to write uh, to, to uh, write three-point three point sermons. And that was where you had an introduction where you tell them what they're going to tell them. And then with the three points, you tell them. And then with the conclusion, you tell them what they just, what you just told them. I, I never liked that. I always wanted things in sort of a story form. The, the Scriptures forms a story, and that's what I like. Well, thanks to uh, recognizing this, uh, my... My uh, old homiletics teacher, Omar Jernus, who could make three points out of anything. Um, This is a perfect three-point sermon. So here's the third section. Come behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In this third section, it's an invitation. God is calling to us, come and look. Come and look at what I've done. Look at the astounding things that I have done in the earth. Look at the world, look at the world through the lens of the city that God is making glad by His Spirit. Look at the lens through God's look at the world through God's lens, a lens of power and protective force for you and for me. And instead of the rage and the foolishness of the world, look at what He has done. Look at what he's doing. Do you realize that every time someone comes to faith in Jesus, it is the miracle, the best and greatest miracle of all. Because we in our sins are not built for that. It just doesn't come easy. And he overrides all of that stuff to plug faith into our lives so that we can believe. Look at the world through that lens. And by the way, Yes, I am still failing, and you see it. But you know, God has removed my sins as far as the east is from the west and remembers them no more. I think that's Psalm 103. That's how he sees. Let us see each other in the city, and let us see outside the city with grace, and loving kindness. I will make all the wars to cease. I will destroy the weapons of the war, of war. These are promises. I will. Again, future tense, they're promises. It's going to happen. Can we even begin to imagine a world with no weapons? I mean, really. It's going to happen. This is our future reality when Jesus comes in his glory the new kingdom and the new earth there will be no weapons of war this is one of my favorite parts here be still and know that I am God be still the Hebrew word there means stop just stop stop everything And know who I am. God is God. Know this. God is God and he will be exalted. There are so many who do not exalt the Lord today and it's a terrible shame. But we can do it. And everybody else is going to at some point. I know how that works for the people who are being saved. I don't know how that works for the people that have totally rejected him all their lives. I don't know how that works. Will they finally come to it when it's too late? Or will God push them down to their knees and compel them? And I don't know. I'm just glad I'm part of the city of God. That I am part of His holy habitation. Living where His Spirit is flowing freely, not just in me, but through me and through you. And together, it is, He is just part of us. God is our refuge and strength, a well-proved help. It is a fact. An objective fact. And it is a promise. If we're not seeing it in our lives today, I get it. I do. I struggle so much with it. I struggle with it more than Betty does. She has to keep calling me off the ledge to, (laughs) to, to, to just go back to the, why do you doubt She doesn't really use those words, but that's where where I end up when when I'm listening to her. And then he ends with Selah again. Ponder this. Meditate on this. Let it fill our hearts. And when life in the earth is raging, and it seems like it will take me over or take you over, stop looking outside. Just stop. And know that God is God. And he's up to the challenge, no matter what that challenge is, whether I've caused some kind of a challenge or where somebody else has, or if it's just part of life. Just stop and look inside the city of God, inside his holy habitation. It's where he lives and where his spirit flows freely. Father, you are God. And so often I'm trying to make myself my own kind of rescue, my own kind of fortress that always keeps tumbling down. Lord, I pray that in those stressful moments when everything seems to have gone against us, I pray that you would just tell us again to stop and look inside the city that you created us for, the city of God, where your spirit is flowing freely through us and in us and overfilling us and overflowing. Let us stop worrying about the outside and live in the place that you have given us to live. In your name, amen.